This is Tom Snagoski, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. And I'm not wearing any pants. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess, and we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Welcome yet again to another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the only podcast to guarantee that if you listen, you get to hear stuff tonight, 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 guys. Episode 471, closing in on that dramatic number 500. It's death day here. You're going to like this one. I guarantee it. You're going to like this one. Um, So let's get to it. We're closing in on episode number 500 possibly the the watershed event when I close this puppy down for good. We're going to hit 500 and then we're done. Uh, and we're figuring out whether whether or not that's actually going to happen or not. I don't know. I don't think so. But show number 500 is going to be a big show. And I've left it in uh, Cam the Clam's big hands to figure out what we're doing. So, Cam, what have we got? What have we got planned so far for show number 500? Well, see, show number 500. Well, you see, what I was going to do. No, I mean was... specifically, not none of this, you know, dancing girls and balloons and stuff. Who specifically have we got planned yet for, for okay. the big show? Okay. So, you know, I figured, you know, I, I needed to think of some great authors. So exactly. I reached, I reached out to some publicists. Uh-huh. So far, I haven't gotten any response from Mary Shelley, who is the grandmother of you She's know, dead. modern science. Why didn't somebody tell me that? Okay, so I also have reached out to H.G. Wells Publishing. Okay, well, I mean, they're, 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 of course... Could you, know, you have checked obituaries before you started sending out emails to dead email addresses? I, I, I you know, I, I just assumed. Okay, all right, well, you know, back to the drawing board, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll see. Okay, see who here's else a hint. Get. Here's a hint. Don't send one to HP Lovecraft. Oh, I actually got an email back and he said he'd attend. Should we that be worried? HP Lovecraft. I hate to be the one to tell you this. Uh, God in heaven above. He said he should show up when the stars aligned. Uh-huh. The stars yeah. aligned. So, you know, I okay. just thought. What what I think we actually meant was the stars are lying. There's a difference. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Got you, Chief. <laughs> why, why, why did we hire you? Oh, that's right, because you're working for nothing. I can't yes. forget that. <laughs> All the Cheetos I can eat. <laughs> as long as you buy them, yeah, absolutely. So in TalkCast 451, a while back ago, uh, we, we, we talked to this guy, uh, uh, Mark Watson. Uh, 
and and we really liked him and, and we really liked his 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 books and his attitude and his and the way he wrote and the stories and stuff and then then uh a friend of ours our mutual friend who who brought him his first book said uh, he's got another book that's out and he's doing some new stuff with this and he set us the, his 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 book and his book was called death dresses poorly so coming back to talk about his book which isn't even a new book but a book that he wrote in 2017 to talk about it is once again mark mark welcome back man thank you very much dome i am so happy to be here with you again oh looking forward to it let me tell you okay before we get started before before we even get started I don't even care uh, which book, which came first, the chicken or the egg, uh, the gun or the bullet. I don't care anymore. Uh, Death Dresses Poorly is, uh, I don't want to say one of the best books I've read in like the past six months or so, because I read like two or three books a week. And, I, and you know, at least one book a week I have to read. And then there's like one or two books that I want to read. But this book has just been one that I read in a day and couldn't put down because it was you at your weird best. It was just fun. It was light and hard and harsh and funny and edgy and storytelling at as, as good as it gets for someone who's as weird as you and i are and jesus god it was fun so thanks for the book man oh. this was really cool i i am i am both humbled and uh also not surprised it really is me at my best i'm not going to deny it it really I mean, is I mean, the other stuff you've written is really good, and we've had some talks about it. But I mean, this was like, you know, I started reading it and I went, "Ooh, chocolate!" And God, I love chocolate. And God, it was just so creamy and, and delicious. And, and the more I got into it, the more I went, "This, this is just me. This is, this is, this." Just so, so. Tell the audience the story of Ethan Desier. I would love to. Please. So Ethan is a directionless 20-something who has just kind of cast off the shackles of a emotionally abusive relationship that he had with his mother. And he is just coming back from her funeral. I'm not spoiling anything that's right there in the first chapter. Not so. yet. No, it's the first 20 pages right there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I get right <laughs> to the point. So his mother has died and he's on his way back from the funeral and the plane that he is on crashes and he is the only survivor and he is then confronted by a man who claims to be death, who is the aforementioned death who dresses poorly and death wants to <laughs> offer ethan his job in this world death is cyclical it it rotates from life form to life form for whoever is best for the job at that time because nobody can be death for any length of time exactly it just becomes too much of a burden 
for one person, one entity to be death for any length of time. That's and, exactly right. And the rest of the book is death, is, is a dialogue between death, also known as Azriel Pana, for no apparent reason whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason. There is a reason. No, yeah, I there know. Was. I know there's, but I'm not giving it away. Right, that's fair. And I and I I understand the reason, and and I I I challenge the readers of the book to understand what the reason was, because I did, and it 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 took me about fifteen twenty minutes to go, why, and when I finally went, oh you bastard, and there's. And and may I say, there's maybe 15 or 20, oh, you bastard moments in this book where I just went, why are you doing that? Well, it's it's because we are dealing with bastards in this book. It is, I, I'd like to say that it is kind of me when I was 20-ish versus me when how I perceive myself to be in 10 or 15 years and how those two personalities would clash with one another and the dialogue that they'd have back and forth they would like I would I believe that just to take about anybody and you take two people who are the same at that age (laughs) difference that 30 years difference and you are going to have a clash of personalities there's going to be there's going to be the older one who thinks they know better and does on a lot of things and forgets what it's like to be 20 years old. And there's going to be the 20 year old who knows everything. And And is young and angry and foolish and stupid and, and pedantic and, uh, God, you want to just slap them and punch them and do all of it. And go, no, you jackass. No. And at the same time you want to go, yep, I get it. Because we've all been there. He he is not a great role model. Ethan is he he's has the potential to be, I think, maybe one day, but he he has just cast the shackles off of this this hard upbringing that he had, and he wants to go out and he wants to step on his step forward on his own and suddenly he's, death. He's so ill-equipped him. for it. So ill-equipped for it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> he is. He, he he doesn't know. He's spent so long in the in this horrible situation with his mother, and so now he's has the opportunity to maybe figure out who he is. And death comes along after this tragic accident and says, "No, this is who you are going to be." And uh, you no longer I, have the choice. Exactly. <laughs> But of course, death is death isn't used to being rejected, and isn't very good at interpersonal relationships. No, so, not at all. Which I mean, not at fair all. enough. Fair enough. So yeah, and it's just the the interplay between these two very similar but very different characters, and the fun that I had writing them. So let's talk about that a little bit, because I think. In the uh, the dedication to the book, which you dedicated to your wife, mm-hmm. was hilarious. And I read it in the beginning, and it made no sense to me. 
And then I read it in the end and it made perfect sense because the dedication is one sentence long and it's for Jen who has, has to live with every jerk in this book. And I believe it's, it's you. It absolutely is. (laughs) It is. is. And, and bless her for putting up with it for as long as she has. And for everybody who's had a successful marriage, we understand this. <laughs> it, it, writing something that was so personal, at least as far as the characters go. Now, I will say that there are some things that I pulled and cribbed from my own life, but things like his tragic upbringing, I, I, I can't speak to anything to. My mother is still alive, and I love my mother to death. She's my hero. But if I was in his situation at that time, I would have acted that way. And my wife was kind of with me at that time. We had just met when I turned 20. So she knows what 20 year old Mark is like. And, and, and Lord willing, she's going to know what 55 year old Mark is like. So, uh, it seemed only fitting that my first book goes to her because she has to put up with that guy and, she has to do it every single day and i cannot imagine how difficult that is just as my wife knows who uh who uh 18 year old dome was and now knows who 60 (laughs) dome is yeah god help her good lord god help her (laughs) exactly yeah yeah, no, they go they go through a lot with us, and Absolutely. and especially for this this because this was a passion thing, right? Like I I wasn't a writer, at least not in the traditional sense, for a very long time, and then I said when I was older and we had two kids and full time jobs and mortgages and cars in the driveway that we got to pay off, I want to do this writing thing, and it's a tremendous leap of faith for me to ask that of her and for her to accept it, and yep. it's it's only fitting but also i like to think that the the dedication is completely true and it's also an excellent indicator of what you are in for as you are about to read that book (laughs) so as you're putting the book together uh vast amounts of self-reflection in the characters on either side uh how did you how did you uh, and this is tough because uh, see, I do this. I do this with the with the shrink every week. <laughs> so to me, it's like you know, sitting there with with a with an audio recorder with my shrink, and uh, you know, I I can't imagine how you would put yourself in the position of being both characters at the same time and figuring out how you're going to make both of them work. I I wanted to I wanted to start with it being a comedy. The the background kind of the writing of this of this story is that I had just spent about 5 years living in the world of my Catching Hell duology because that was the first one that I wrote. It wasn't the first one that was released, but I wrote Catching Hell first. And right. After spending so long of writing and rewriting and editing, after spending so long in that world, I needed to tear it all down. I needed to churn something out quickly 
I needed to write something that was completely different. Wow, uh, you hit that right on the nose. It, it is totally different, totally not the style that I thought that I would write, but I started coming up with this concept and then kind of bouncing it off people and, and bouncing it off Twitter of all places. That was a great place for this. And just seeing what worked and what didn't, because I didn't think that I could write comedy. And They're always so kind on Twitter, aren't they? That's the, <laughs> that, isn't that the, that was the best thing about them. Like I would think of a line or I would, I would just kind of throw something out there and the feedback that I got was invaluable because i knew what landed and what didn't and that, and that was great because twitter twitter's not going to tell you no lies like they're if they, if they don't like oh, no, they'll they rip you a new one just they for the will hell tear of you it. to shreds yep and, and, absolutely and, and I, I, I i knew that going in i wasn't just like oh this is a helpful critique group that i can <laughs> no it's not anything like that not in it's kind of like good reads for masochists yeah absolutely <laughs> an excellent analogy yeah it, it is very much a it is a trial by fire it is a proving ground and if if they don't like it they're going to spit you out and i i found what worked and what didn't and then i kind of learned from that from what i was learning worked how to write in that style which is exactly how it ended up being like this and i i i i'm fond of saying that i spent five years in the world of catching hell doing everything that i could to be all of or like envelop those characters and and create them and, and make that epic science fantasy that it is and i spent six weeks on death dresses poorly from the time i started writing it i gave it one round of editing and i was happy with where it was and then i tried putting it out in the world wow and i've got wow. a question for you because you've now mentioned uh the uh, uh the catching hell series and of course there was the, the set of short stories you did that are connected to that called between conversations, which I highly suggest, like I did last time you were on the show, that you read both in that order. But you have a death character, especially gets quite a bit of a conversation with another one of your characters, Ryujin, in between conversations. And after I finished reading this book, I went back to my copy of Between Conversations and said, I've heard this voice before. And so I, correct me if I'm wrong, got this impression that there's a little bit of that voice, same voice in the death you use in the the other in the other world. Is it, would you agree? Disagree? I would 100% agree. I'm not I'm not going to jump into spoiling anything about who and what that death is, but I I will say that the the similarities are intentional. Oh, good. Wow. Okay, and, and yeah. So see, Dome, I was right, and yeah, I won't spoil anything wow. either. But that see, that, that, I wasn't I wasn't there at all with that. Yeah, I wasn't there at all. I saw that character is completely different. And, so and that's, when, that's okay when too. When that because... reveal happened yeah. uh, with death uh, at the end of the, uh, around the middle of the book, mm-hmm. I was really comfortable with that. I sat there and I went, that was another you bastard moment where I went, of all the things you could have done, you bastard. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> gotta mix it up gotta keep the audience guessing, yeah right you did yeah. great you did great and and my god this this was such an unexpected unexpectedly brilliantly different way for this book to go 
than your other books that I literally between the only time I stopped reading this uh, was bathrooms and meals. Literally, this was a nonstop read for me. And uh, again, I'm happy to hear you say that because that was the intention. Like I, I had come off of this quarter of a million word monster and I needed some, like, I was just like, I got to clean my brain and I want to make a it short. Cleanser. Absolutely. It is a hundred percent. And I wanted it short. I wanted it punchy. I wanted it to be a weekend read. A lot of my favorite books are what I call weekend reads where my work my work week is done. I pick it up on a Friday. I commit to it, and I'm I'm done before dinner time on Sunday. Given the fact that I I'm usually bouncing around doing stuff with my kids or my wife or around the house or something, right? Like something you could easily plow through in a day if you wanted to. Uh, but just that one that you pick up, it doesn't have to it doesn't have to change your world. But you know, it's just some short, punchy writing, and you're just Did like you? oh, enjoyable. Did you ever read any books by Ron Goulart? I can't say I have. Can I suggest to you that Ron Goulart wrote a series of very, a series of science fiction books very similar to this, uh, in which they were short. And, and by short, I don't mean thin volumes, but I mean, they had a central idea. They went at it quick. They went at it snappy. They had a couple of characters. They ran the story, and it was it was a quick, snappy marathon of ideas and snappy banter. And it was one of those that was a weekend read. And uh, William Shatner wrote a series of what uh, had a series of books writ ghostwritten for him, a tech series. Yeah, it was the tech war. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. was Ron Goulart who ghost wrote that series. Then I then I take it back. I have read those because I read a, a few of the tech war books. And they were very snappy and they had, they had yeah. a very sardonic edge to them. That, yes. That's Ron Goulart. And the minute you picked, if you were ever familiar with any other of his work, the minute you started reading that tech war series, you went, you didn't write that, Shatner. Don't give me that crap. Yeah, uh, we cut him. We cut him a lot of slack, especially up here. <laughs> you kind of have to. Yeah, exactly. yeah, kind of have to. It's a Shatner thing, and I get yeah. it. Yeah, he might be the prime minister. I don't actually know. <laughs> I'll, I'll Google that. See, I'd get to the answer before the end of the show. Okay, cool. But. Uh, <laughs> Might I suggest that, you know, Ron Goulart is, is one of the hidden treasures of science fiction because this one, to me, falls into that realm of he wrote 35 books. And I don't know that there are a lot of people who ever really knew him. And he's still around somewhere. He also wrote a series of books, uh, Groucho Marx Detective that nobody's ever heard of series. And oh my God, it's some of the funniest stuff I've ever read in my life. And, and yet compellingly well-written. 
So you want you want a weekend read? Pick up any book by him. I am. I've already, as we are sitting here having this conversation, I have already got it down right here. <laughs> G-O-U-L-A-R-T. Well, mm-hmm. And, well, like, I loved the Tech War series, at least what I had read of it. And oh, yeah. So, it's great stuff. Just wasn't written by Bill. <laughs> I cannot say I'm surprised by that, so. Because it doesn't have his voice at all. No. <laughs> But but I mean also I, I mean I've read a lot of biographies or stuff written by people of some fame and I'm not surprised that like they might come up with the idea or something and then the publisher will be all like that's a great idea we're going to get somebody better to actually write it and then what I what I can hear is Shatner saying now here's an idea mm-hmm. that I have exactly. and the publisher comes back in a, two or three weeks yeah. <laughs> William Shatner's Tech War. Exactly. So why aren't you writing more stuff like this, man? I was in such... uh, No, it's a fair question. It cannot be a one and done. It's a a fair question. Thanks. I like them. (laughs) When I wrote it, where I was needed that book it needed that style it needed that voice and and i haven't been back in that yet i think i'm not going to say it was lightning in a bottle i'm not going to say it can't happen again but i was i was this fresh face in the writing world and everything just looks so big and so impressive and i just wanted to write some some stupid little dark comedy that had my voice because uh, without without turning it to the first person which is which is always the 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 fallback for a brand new writer it was as it was as simple a book for me to write as i could at that time i'm in a different place now but that doesn't mean i can't go back there like i've I've kind of captured that voice again a little bit in between conversations and parts Mm -hmm. of that but I don't have anything close to that kind of voice in, in the Catching Hell series, I don't think. Not, no, not at all. And, and, I, and I think Ethan has, has another story in him as well. well I really do. I, I appreciate that, and I love hearing that. But I also have always said Ethan only has one book in him. Really? And, and I, I, wanted it to be, I wanted it to be succinct. I wanted it to be the the story of these two characters and and how they go about their adventure and and how they adapt to these new situations and then there's the the resolution and the ending and they they may pop up here and there afterwards but there's 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 not going to be a planned sequel to this I, I no no more Puget Plunge Volume Two no. <laughs> you know, can only can only drop so many airplanes into the Puget Sound. Okay. All right. I'll I'll buy that. But let me let me tell you something about the ending. The ending had that fa- that and, and without giving away, because you know, I hate spoilers worse than anything. So I, I'm not going to spoil the ending. I'm just going to tell you it had that Matrix-like feel to it. And, and you know what? I, I 
this is kind of a, this is an absolute tease to all of the listeners out there. I will be happy to have a conversation with you if you want to throw some of the ideas about what I was getting to at the end there. But I, I'm not going to say anything else about it. If once we go off <laughs> the air here, you want to bounce a couple questions off me and just and just tell me what you think, I am eager to hear it, don't because I, okay. I, I love listening to people's interpretations of it. We have so many spoiler loaded questions that we'll oh, save for after we go off the air. Freaking oh, bitch. I, I am it's all right, I, I'm I'm good at answering them, but I'm also good at dodging them when I need to. Good. <laughs> you know, you know that I am not going to run a spoiler at you right now. Once the record light is off, there's all oh, the gloves are coming off. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's fine. OK, cool. I won't pretend the record light's still on because the record light's on and you can fucking see it. <laughs> I can see it's right there. It's right there. It's pretty obvious. OK. Shit. Anyway, so what made you decide to take uh, an almost five-year-old book and turn it into an audiobook now? Boredom. <laughs> boredom. <laughs> Welcome have... to the pandemic where we're <laughs> exactly. doing shit out of boredom. <laughs> well, it, it's the absolute truth. I... In the like, I'm just going to call it a solid year here, right? Like we're into yep. this pandemic; it's a year, and yep. I, I have maybe written possibly five thousand words in that time, but Shit. I have also learned how to fix and repair watches, pick locks, and master audio and record, at least to the my high personal standards, which isn't saying very much. And I decided that I wanted to do this. I wanted to get a, get some equipment and, and get a bit of education on it and see if I could do it. And the publisher. So, that so, so you're not giving this to like somebody else to make an audiobook for you. You're making an audiobook. I am. I am the narrator. I am. I am the producer of it, and I'm. I'm in there in the weeds. And oh shit! Good I, for you, man. I. I. I like to think that it's for some altruistic reason. Like I really wanted to, to, to get it out there and make sure that I met my high personal standards. But uh, the straight up answer is I'm. I'm cheap, and I don't have the kind of throw around money because who does nowadays? Because Look at the world we've lived in for the last it's, year. It's pandemic. So, exactly right. Nobody, and nobody's making any money. Everybody's out of work. And I, I'm not going to sit there and be all like, I'm going to turn this into my side hustle. Because, man, right now, if you don't have a side hustle, what world have you been living in? in, in I was going to say, who's got a front hustle at this point? Exactly right. So... <laughs> I I had the idea. I was having a conversation with someone, and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to use this conversation because I've been talking about doing an audiobook for this for quite some time, and I thought that this was a great opportunity. And I ordered the equipment, and like I said, I, I educated myself a little bit as best as like a, a couple of things that I can go over and read and test, and videos I can watch on YouTube can can kind of get me in the door, and. I had a conversation with my publisher who has been nothing but supportive in this entire endeavor. And I really wanted to make sure that they were a part of this. They didn't have to be. And they were like, you know, you can do this on your own. It's okay. We'll just help you where we have to. I'm like, no, you guys, 
have you guys have helped me out from the very beginning and there's a, you belong with your fingerprints on this and so we're working together and making sure it meets their standards and uh, making sure it meets mine albeit however low those are and i am that's freaking awesome man yeah, and and just get it out there and then once it's out there it's 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 like like throwing it out the way you threw out your books it's like it's it's yours again still because for me it's like when somebody does like a comic book and they're just the writer and they're trying to do it in such a way where their artist is in Malaysia mm -hmm. and their inker is in Bolivia and their uh, 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 letterer is in uh, 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 East Pakistan, and how are they doing that? How does the? <clears throat> I understand. I, you know? I, I understand it, it, and it was a lot of that for me. Like part of it was I wanted to make sure I was still crew giving back and doing something creative. I haven't really been writing in this time, and, and a, another part is that I wanted to learn how to do it because I thought that it was really interesting, and I knew people in the industry who had tried it themselves and and had various degrees of success and the main part of it was well for one thing it's only about forty-seven thousand words so it's not like i'm trying to read catching hell i'm not trying to read a quarter of a million words with all these different characters i really just have to focus on two characters in death dresses poorly and at the end of the day i wanted them to have my voice as vain as that is I will own it absolutely. Like my my father-in-law read this and he said it was great and I enjoyed it, but I cannot get your voice out of my head. And he he didn't mean no, it. No, you know what? In a mean. weird way, he's absolutely right because I could hear you. It's especially difficult for me having spoken to you a couple of times already before I read this. Yeah, I can hear your voice talking it to me and now i'm actually going to be able to hear your voice talking it to me and that's cool there's there's a level of cool there that is absolutely wonderful uh, i wanted it to have that feeling if i'm going to write this personal story even if it's not technically something that's even come close to happen to me it's still based on me and why not have my voice? And if I have the ability to do it, if I have the ability to get it out there and put the put the inflection on the jokes where I want them to land and make sure that the timing is correct, because it is a very dialogue heavy book, then why wouldn't I why wouldn't I at least try? And then I can have Fluky Fiction, who's the publisher, take a listen to it, make sure it meets what they want, and we put it out there together and let the world enjoy it and hear my dulcet, sultry tones. <laughs> <laughs> Which begs the question, why haven't you been writing? I have always been a big proponent of writing when 
it feels like you should be and not rushing something. I don't believe in writing goals. I, I'm actually a big proponent against them, much to some people in the industry's chagrin. I'm not going to sit on, on my high horse and say, this is the way you should do it, because every single writer is different and everybody's path is different. But I am going to stand on the, I, if I don't think that I can put out something that I'm going to be proud of right now, and if I'm just writing for the sake of writing, then I'm not going to do it. And maybe that means I'm just like, oh, geez, well, I'm, I don't really feel like anything right now. Maybe I'll never write anything again. That's okay. There's a story that I've been working on that is long gestating at this point, And that was the 5,000 words that I've written. And I'm like, you know, the, the world as it is around me right now, I don't want to tell this story. I don't want to have this voice right now. And I, I, I really should finish it. I'm, I'm so close. I'm, a part of me thinks that I simply cannot write the ending, but that's why we have editors. And I, I I just have not had that inspiration. And the other part of it is I don't really want to separate myself from the world right now. Um, unlike a lot of people, I am consuming all the news from all the different sides of things. I want to know what's going on in the world right it's now. It's really hard, isn't it? It is incredibly difficult. But I, I, I feel that I kind of have to do that just to keep my finger on the pulse. And that is exhausting. And it's not really allowing me to do the kinds of creative things like that. But it's given me other opportunities, like the ones that I mentioned earlier. And it's given me the opportunity to step back into this world. It's amazing how every time I need some kind of palate cleanser, Death Dresses Poorly shows up again. And and I will I write when I want to and when I can. And those opportunities simply haven't presented themselves in the last year. A big part of it is I'm only kind of sort of in the office these days, and I mostly only write at work. So I, I do it during so my lunch So you don't hours. write at home much I, at all? I, I, I do not write at home at all. I don't think I've ever written anything at home. I, I write, wow. I write at work, and I... I do it on my lunch hour because obviously they're not paying me to write. And <laughs> I, I, over the course of a week, if, I, if I'm dedicated to my writing craft that particular week, I'll go for about 45 minutes to 50 minutes a day, three, maybe four times a week if I'm, if I'm really got the fire lit under me. I'm beginning to understand you a little bit better. You're the only one. No, 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 no. There, there is a level of malcontentism within you that I am really enjoying the hell out of. Uh, and, and it's wonderful. I'm not uh, going to deny it at all. You're absolutely right. You can't deny it. It's not, you're hanging your freak flag out there beautifully, my friend. I, I wrote and, a book about it and that's what we're talking about right now. Exactly. Um, and I, I just am enjoying the hell out of the fact that while other authors are going, I get up at 5 a.m., brew a cup of coffee, go upstairs to my study, <clears throat> sit in front of my computer, stare out the same window every morning, and wait. And for about two hours, I'll just sit in front of that computer, get about 5,000 words done. And then start my day. And I'm going, how how the hell do you do that? 
If I sit in front of my computer, I used to get up in, at like five o'clock in the morning when I wrote and uh, sit in front of my computer <laughs> and watch the sunrise because that was way more fun than actually working. <laughs> it is. It's amazing. The world outside is exactly the reason why I don't do very much writing most of the time. And my problem with this past year is it's been there's been so much shit going on that I've been so so much more concerned with mm-hmm. that that uh, How between can I... that and doing this show, I haven't had time to, to freaking breathe. My God. And that's exactly it. How how can I sit there and write in these fantasy worlds when the world outside my window is taking shape just like them? And, and are, are you are you beginning to feel it start to ease just a little bit? Uh, it's funny you should say that because today is the day that a lot of restrictions in Alberta were lifted. But for the most part, no, not yet. Wow. I haven't I like I hear rumors that in some places people are getting vaccines and, and whatnot. But that's like I am so far up that chain like there's people far more important than me who should be getting those i should honestly be the last person to get one and so like i will feel things are normal when i'm back sitting at a hockey game or when my kid is back on the ice and i'm coaching him again or i'm sitting with my friends in the cafeteria at work or something like that uh, until that moment. And it's going to hit me like a lightning bolt. It's going to be like, Oh, Holy geez. Everything is normal again right now. It, I will feel normal while. again when I can go to a con. Mm-hmm. Just, just talking to someone like it's astonishing right now. I will watch TV movies, what have you, or even just like videos that pop up or something that comes up on Facebook memories. And it's just like, yeah, uh, you were doing this like two years ago or something. And it's like me with a bunch of people or we were at a party or a hockey game yep. or something. And I'm yep. like, that gives me so much anxiety right now. Like, you, look at all those people. You fucking bastard. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like it, it was like a year ago. We, my work, all of, all of uh, the people in my department, we were able to, we had like a box at the Calgary Flames game and we went and we just had a riot of a time and there was a goalie fight and good, good, my good, it was amazing. A goalie fight? Cool. It was a goalie fight. It was a goalie. It was the Battle of Alberta, Flames versus Oilers. And <laughs> we're, we're all I don't all think I've ha- ever seen a goalie fight. I never have. Yeah, it, it, it is rare and like it oh, only happens shit. like once every two or three years or so. And we were there in the stands and of course we're all just having a great time. We're all half cut and all the, all the nachos that we could possibly eat. And now I'm looking back at the videos of that and I'm just like, every single one of you is not social distancing. No wonder we all got sick. My goodness. Like it's, it's ingrained in my head right now. And and I know that it will go away because it got in there so it can get out. But I'm still at that point right now where I'm looking at these kinds of things and I'm just like, oh, oh uh, uh, I can't watch this anymore. I, it, it's making me upset for a number of reasons. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm not at the point where I'm feeling that it's lifting yet. Because, as I said, like we had restrictions from the just about the beginning of December and my oldest son was home from school. Like he was doing homeschooling because junior high and high school students were 
asked to, but then my youngest who's in grade school was still going and that was a weird situation. Like everything was just kind of mishmash and it is now as well. But like, as of today, we have restaurants can have people who can sit down, but the restrictions are still pretty heavy. Uh, and as they are here as well. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This is, uh, weird, 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 weird times. But and, also and the point I, of adapting slowly. I, I can understand, you know, from a creative point of view, how it would, uh, how it affects everybody differently. Um, most definitely. And when, when I'm going through and, and I'm reading these characters and there are... I like to think that I've written some pretty heavy moments in this, some some moments of self-realization. Oh, and, good lord, yes. And it's one With thing both to write venom that. and 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 goodwill happening simultaneously. Exactly. <laughs> like, there's 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 all these conflicting things, and then I'm 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 in my little recording space, which is a closet, and I am I, I, and I'm reading these, and I really want to like it almost becomes it almost becomes a radio play at that point like i'm i maybe don't have a, a foley guy behind me but I'm, I'm making sure that i i envelop these characters as best i can and with everything going on in the world and trying to tackle these heavy subjects it is hard and it's heavy and i, I and i feel it and I, I i feel the emotion welling up because it's it's all suddenly pouring out of me at these intense moments and maybe even a bit more intense than some of them warrant, but it's coming from an honest place. Can because... you imagine the difference between you reading it and having uh, one of these uh, professional guys reading it? And it's, it's something I've thought a lot about, though, because it, even though it's not a quote-unquote personal story, it is very much me. I, I like to think because there are there are voice artists out there who are excellent at their craft who who can encapsulate very that. good yeah yeah exactly they, they can they can nail it right away they can they can read the material and they can give it exactly what it needs i cannot afford those people so i'm the next <laughs> best thing <clears throat> wow you know i know you feel as if you're you're in in a bottleneck right now, uh, Mark, more than anything else. But uh, son of a bitch, I envy you. I really, really do. Uh, in more ways than you may ever be able to understand. Uh, I am. Uh, I am really, really envious of your talent and your ability uh, to storytell. And your adaptation to this pandemic is if nothing else so goddamn unique <laughs> that uh it, it's wonderful i mean screw this i'll put out my own goddamn audiobook watch this happen kids exactly uh, and when when it's ready to come out uh i want you back here it, and it I, won't be that I want, long. I, say again 
It won't be that long. If the whole thing's recorded, I have two more chapters to to cut and master, and uh, then I'll get it off into my publisher's able hands and, and get it out into the world, hopefully sooner rather than later. I like to say it's going to be in the next month. I know that uh, ACX has a little bit of a backup right now. Like That's who looks after all of the audible stuff, and... Hopefully it won't slow it down that much. I want to make sure that I, I get this out. I want to strike while the iron is hot. When it's ready, you let us know. We want to promo the hell out of it. Uh, I want to hear what it sounds like as an audiobook because I had so much fun reading it. And I think raising it to the level of an audiobook read by the author brings it to a whole new level. We have just spent about the past 45 minutes talking to the author of Death Dresses Poorly, Mark Watson, to talk about his book, how it happened, why it happened, who he is, what he does, why he's now doing his own audiobook, and if he's ever going to write again, and I hope to hell he does, because, uh, man, there's, there's, there's some stuff going on in that brain that needs to be, needs to be let out to the, to the rest of the universe, because, uh, and I love the way you talk and I love the way you express things. And I, I just can't wait to see what happens next. Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight, man. Oh, thank you so much, Dom. I appreciate it. I love talking to you. It's, it's, it is a fun place to be having these conversations with you. You are welcome here any goddamn time you want. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con. Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, my Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is available on Audible, because I'm not sure where else you can find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com. And don't forget to try the Watts sauce we have. We love it. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry, you can find Lawrence Made Me Cry's music on Bandcamp and a whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from his booking books. Thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus, do we all refute entropy. Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime, good night, everybody. I don't you hate people like me? I know I do.